I wanted you to see that video. We as Americans, uh, we think the news is Facebook. You know, is how many likes have I got? How many, you know, how, what can I post today? We think that's news. And we lose track of what's going on around the world. And so uh, this is this Easter in Mosul, Iraq, which is uh, back in biblical times was Nineveh, where Jonah went. But you've got to understand, ISIS came through and just destroyed everything, killed many of those people's families. They uh, went, they had to uh, leave as refugees. And uh, you may remember um, uh, that uh, Jim Rowan and Sean Hood have been to Jordan, where, where they actually, are, uh, many of these refugees were, just to see them. But after two and a half years, these people went back home to be in Mosul, Iraq, um, to celebrate Easter. Tell me if God is not good. You know, I mean, we just we just so lose sight of things in our country uh, the the way the way we see things. So I wanted you to see that today, just to kind of hopefully it sparks something in you that how big God is. Um, let me let me share with you a couple of uh, quick announcements before we jump into what we're doing today. Uh, beginning at midnight tonight is our unceasing day of prayer. For the next 24 hours, uh, you're signed up for your 30-minute increments. To, don't forget when you are. And uh, so for the next 24 hours, we're going to be pay- praying for our congregation, for our community, for the whole Austin metro area for spiritual awakening. So uh, make sure you're in your place with that. And then one other thing is next Saturday, it's a smaller version of Love the Rock. It's going to be only about, they're looking for only about 100 to 150 people that are going to be serving in the community. Maybe your small group or your family would like to be a part of a service day next um, next week, weekend, Saturday morning. It's just a little bit of Saturday morning. And you can go on lovetherock.com and uh, you can you can uh, go ahead and sign up for that. So I just I just throw that out to you. Let me tell you where we're going over the next couple of minutes. Um, we um, the reason we're doing this is is um, next week I have a friend of mine, Robert Nolan, who's an author and, and lives in Nashville. And he's going to be down here, and I've asked him to speak. You're going to be blessed by Robert beyond what you can ever imagine. But uh, the next week, we're starting um, a series called um, Take the Land. And it's through the, the book of Joshua, looking at the victorious Christian life out of an Old Testament passage. So it's going to be, going to be good. So we were talking about this particular Sunday is to um, because I see the church body as family, is for Pam and I to be able to come up in front of you and process over the last three months with you a little bit. And, and it's not going to be boring um, because we, we want to process with you. We feel like we need to. And because right now people are asking, Mark, how are you doing? How are you all doing? How are you physically? And that kind of stuff. And so we thought it would be good just to get up here and kind of talk to you a little bit about those things. And, and, and some of you have come on to the church body over the last two and a half, three months, and, and uh, you, you were wondering if they had a senior pastor because he just didn't seem to be around uh, very much. And uh, does he travel? What does he do? I don't know what might go through your mind. And uh, so, you know, I, I felt like I was on the disabled list for most of that time. But let me, let me go back. Christmas 2017 was one of the most joyous Christmas we have had. Um, everybody, the whole family was there. Mandy was, was back from London. Uh, my mom was able to come, uh, Pam's mom and dad, family, we were all at the house. Man, Christmas was great. The house was full, and uh, man, it was just an incredibly blessed Christmas that we had. Little did we know that walking ahead, uh, there were storm clouds that were gathering 
on uh, New Year's Eve. I'd preached that morning. We were eating with a, a church family, and Pam had talked to her uh, sister or dad one about that her mom was going to go into the to the uh, clinic because she wasn't breathing too good and this kind of stuff. So they they said she had bronchitis um, and she went home and uh, gave her antibiotics and that kind of thing. And uh, uh, about 8:15 on New Year's Eve, we had decided to stay home. We were tired. Um, we knew I was going to have surgery the next week. We thought let's just take it as downtime. And about 8:15, the phone rang and um, Pam picks it up. And, uh, hello, and I could hear the voice out of the cell phone. It just said this. Her, her little sister said, Mom is gone. And Pam said, uh, what do you mean Mom is gone? She said, Mom is gone. Mom has died. And, uh, you talk about stunned. We were, we were totally stunned. Uh, she had just been in our house. We just had a joyous time. We, we're talking about a godly woman married 60 years to Pam's dad. I mean, this just, just doesn't happen and, and just like that. But she had she had um, laid down and uh, about 15 minutes later just went into the presence of the Lord. And uh, her dad found her and, and, you know, tried to do CPR and that kind of thing. And, and you may remember on New Year's Eve this year, it iced over. So we were unable to get even to Waco on that night. So uh, we had to make plans the next day and to go and... You know, just stunned, just totally stunned. And on Friday, January the 5th, uh, we had Regina's funeral. And uh, uh, it was still great because Mandy was still in town. So it, it, it worked out for her still being here from London. So the whole family, which two weeks ago we were gathering for Christmas, then in two weeks we're gathering in a totally different environment. And uh, the funeral was incredible, lifting up a godly woman. She's had impact on so many, and people are still talking about the effect Regina Jarvis had on them. And, uh, you know, Pam talks to her dad daily. Just uh, can you imagine, married 60 years, and, and uh, but her dad's doing well. And uh, But, yeah, that's what we were greeted with. And on the, uh, on the night that uh, Pam's mom passed, I knew I needed to call my mom, so it's about 10 o'clock after we had processed through the what had happened on, on New Year's Eve. So I called my mom because my mom and, and uh, Pam's mom were friends, and my mom had actually talked to her that day. And so I called, and uh, nobody answered. My mom lives in assisted living in Waco, and she didn't answer. And I thought, well, that's strange. Maybe she's gone to bed. And I called her again, still no answer. And I had that check in my spirit. So I called my aunt, and uh, my aunt answered the phone, and my aunt was at the ER with my mom. My mom had had to go into ER. She was not doing well, and uh, so she's in ER. Pam's mom has just passed. I'm calling. My mom is in ER, and she's going to be there for the next, going to be in the hospital and rehab for the next six weeks just dealing with some of the flu stuff that, that uh, we, we weren't sure about with her. And so um, now we're walking through this, and then the next, we have the funeral, and then on the next Tuesday is when this was the scheduled part. Uh, I was scheduled to have double knee replacement, both my knees replaced. And, uh, you know, uh, some of you have had joint replacement stuff. Um, they, the doctor tries to tell you that this is going to hurt, but uh, little did we know how much it does hurt. And uh, so uh, go in, have the surgery, everything goes fine. Um, uh, in the hospital for three days and, um, you know, get home and, uh, my wife is my hero. She has demonstrated Jesus to me more than anybody else over the last three months. And uh, it, it, I've said that to her face. I'm, I'm not just glowing to you. I mean, I've said it to her uh, one-on-one that 
She has displayed Christ to me, caregiving more than I can ever imagine, and to walking through grief and the other stuff that I'm about to tell you about. So I get home on a Friday from the hospital and and uh, having to sleep in the other room because of comfort and pain and all that kind of stuff at the same time. Um, and then uh, Saturday a week uh, removed, I had uh, been on the phone, and part of what I'd found out is that my brother... Uh, has had prostate cancer and it has progressed into his bones and he is stage four doing chemo treatments um, right now. And uh, so we're, we're greeted with that next thing. And then uh, it was Saturday night and I got, because I, I was on the phone when Pam took out to walk the dog, it was nighttime. And I had hung up and she comes in and uh, she says, uh, I, I fell. And it was dark and she had hit a place in the uh, sidewalk and she'd fallen and she'd um, put her hand down and uh, uh, we have family members laughing <laughs> yeah and she uh, I mean it looked broken I mean it's starting to swell up pretty good and, and here I am I can I can barely get up and uh, so you know I'm saying okay let's call somebody to take you to minor emergency at least and get it checked out and she toughed it out and said no but still that way in the morning so she basically stayed up all night um, uh, through that thing. And um, uh, the next morning, contacted Ashley, her daughter, and uh, had Ashley and Mia, my five-year-old granddaughter, came over. And uh, Ashley and Pam are going to um, a minor emergency, and I'm left with my five-year-old granddaughter. And she's my caregiver uh, for that for that morning. And uh, we were actually walking out in the street, and uh, Chris and Becky, I saw you back there. Uh, Becky or Chris, one, uh, saw my granddaughter out there with me walking down the street, and they were wondering, should I be doing that? So they called Pam. Did you know Mark's out walking down the street? Um, so, um, so now it was not broken, just badly sprained, and she's got to be in a brace for a while with that. And we're thinking, okay, what else is going to happen uh, with this thing? Well, week three, um, I, I was missing the staff, wanted to come see them, and the first the first hour of our staff meeting is worship and prayer. And uh, so I wanted to come for the worship and prayer time. Uh, the only time I was getting out was to go to rehab, and they were hurting me there, so I thought, let me go to something, they're not hurting me. And, uh, y- you know, you do not realize how much pain sucks you dry spiritually. It just sucks you dry. And uh, we go into staff meeting, and, and Brett is um, leading us through good, good father. And, man, the tears just started coming. Man, I was so dry. You know, just good, good father. And um, and just just there, I'm, sta- I'm sure the staff thought, oh, no, Mark's lost it. But, you know, just the dryness and God's spirit's presence and in, in, uh, in being there to pray. And then I'm going to let Pam share about what God revealed to her. Yeah, um, I had a good friend who probably the second or third week in January, she told me that uh, she'd gotten the word for the year, and her word was hope. And um, I have asked the Lord before for words, and I've never gotten one. He's always said no, but um, I don't know if I apparently really needed one this year. So uh, when we're in with this, the staff prayer time, and they, they spent most of the time praying over us, um, and really just praying for me and my grieving and the word anchor came out three times, um, which is kind of unusual. So anyway, I left there, and I told Mark, I said, man, the Lord gave me my word. It's anchor. That's my word. It's anchor. 
And so you know, think about anchor that it you know it holds you, it's steadfast. So again, it's not quite hope or joy, but it's an anchor. So walked with that, um, and then a lot of songs. I started hearing all these songs on the radio that have anchor in them. Um, probably my favorite one is uh, the song "Eye of the Storm," and the chorus is "In the eye of the storm, you remain in control. In the middle of the war, you guard my soul." You alone are the anchor when my cells are torn. Your love surrounds me in the eye of the storm. And um, normally my cells are pretty good, but they were starting to get a little ragged here. So I really liked that song, Hang On To That. The Sundays that we came here, inevitably, there was always at least one song that had the word anchor in it. And so I just felt like the Lord was just telling me, you know, I've got you, I've got this, keep trusting me, have faith. And so uh, I did. I my my faith did not waver through any of this. Um, the fifth week uh, before B.C., and that's before blood clots, <laughs> not before Christ, but before blood clots, I <laughs> uh, started looking at the word anchor a little closer, and um, I was a little disturbed because basically, you know, that it says that storms are coming, and the anchor is what holds you there. You're not going to go anywhere when the storm hits. The anchor is holding you right where you are. And so um, that weekend, I really got what the Lord was trying to prepare me for because um, that was when the storm really hit, the storm we were not prepared for, n- number two storm we were not prepared for, and that God really held us through that. Yeah, um, yeah. Um, and so in week week three, we'd come to that staff prayer time. In week four, um, I thought it was time to come back to work, at least half a day, not wise, um, you know, but you're, you know, every, all of the rules of thumb belong to everybody else and not you, right? So I decided to come back for half days and, uh, not wise. And I was fatigued, tired, sore, this kind of stuff. On Thursday of, uh, week five, I, uh, 2.15 in the morning, I'll never forget it, I rolled over and it felt like a rib in my back had just displaced. Uh, it was the, some of the most pain I'd ever been in in my life. And, uh, it was 2.15 in the morning. I could not lay there anymore. I couldn't even breathe. So I got up and went to the recliner just to try to stretch myself out, and that allowed me to get through the rest of the night, knowing that the next day I needed to figure out what's what's going on. But I felt better in the morning, so what did I do? Come to work and uh, went home about 2 or so, and um, I was hurting. I was hurting bad. So um called up Dean Geske and... Uh, Dean, uh, uh, chiropractor, and I thought I thought it was skeletal or muscular, and so I went to Dean, and I, uh, uh, he he adjusted me, and uh, we thought, well, maybe that's better. And I felt felt fine sitting there in his office. I thought, man, maybe maybe that's it. But got back home, and about 30 minutes after we'd been home, the the pain just came back in an excruciating way in in my back. I, I mean, it was just from my shoulder all the way down into my back, and and. Uh, um, I went into the bedroom and just sat there in the dark because I was hurting so bad. And uh, uh, Randy and Sharon Owens were coming over for dinner, and Pam called Dean back up. And Dean, man, was was very good to say, okay, let's wait an hour, but this isn't normal, this kind of stuff. If if it doesn't let up in an hour, go to ER. And so uh, it didn't let up, so we went to ER and... Um, uh, and uh, did you know there's sick people in ER? It's not, it's not, sometimes it's not worth going to. And uh, I don't care how bad I was hurting. We, we, we go in there and uh, 
I'd taken, you know, some of my pain meds for my knees, and it started relaxing me a little bit, so the pain became less uh, less severe. And I said, "There's sick people here. Let's just go. I think I'm I think I'm doing better, and we'll figure it out the next day." So we went home from uh, ER, and Friday morning got up, and um, uh, first thing I did was uh, text um, Flint DeShazo. And uh, as I texted Flint, you know, Flint, I just have a question for you. And uh, Flint was leaving town. Flint and Annette were leaving town, I believe, and so um, uh, did not hear back from him. So I call uh, orthopedic. I thought, well, if this is skeletal or muscular, they'll be able to help me. Well, they, they said, okay, let's make an appointment. They made an appointment for him, and then they called me back and said, you've got to go to your primary care first. And I thought, well, I'll call Temple where I had my surgery. Maybe they'll get me in. They said, we can get you in on Tuesday. Okay, I uh, don't want to go in on Tuesday. Call my primary care, and uh, they say, well, uh, doctor's booked up, and it's Friday. You can't see until Tuesday, and uh, everything's bumping until Tuesday. And um, and so um, I'm thinking, man, I don't, I don't know what to do anymore. And so Flint got back with me and because uh, he's in the same office with our, our primary care and everything, and he was able to get an appointment with me with uh, the physician's assistant there. At least that was somebody who had the skills and the knowledge as a doctor. And so that was at 3.30 on Friday afternoon, and we go to the uh, to see her, and uh, very gracious, and she uh, is looking. And, and back of my head, you know, I knew they'd said something about blood clots, and I'm just thinking, that's in the back of my head. So I, I mentioned it then. And she, uh, she's, you know, kind of checking out and this kind of stuff. And, and she said, let me go check something out. So she went and contacted our insurance, which said I could get a CAT scan, but I couldn't get a CAT scan till Tuesday. And, uh, so, uh, I said, I said, okay. And she said, hang on though. So she went and talked to my uh, primary care and, um, doctor and she came back in and she said, Mr. Westfield, you need to go to ER. We'd gone to ER last night. There's sick people there. I don't. I don't. Uh, and, then, and then she said, "You got to promise me you're going to go to ER." And I thought, "What doctor says do you got to promise that you're going to do something?" And then, and then she threw the 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 card out. She said, "Mr. Westerfield, you could be dead by Tuesday if you don't go to the hospital." We went to ER. Uh, and uh, we went in, and, and as we're there, they do the CAT scan, and they come back, and the um, doctor said the thing we did not want to hear. He said, Mr. Westfield, you have multiple blood clots in your lungs, and uh, we gotta, we got to admit you to the hospital. Well, now I knew what the pain was, uh, but I didn't know how fatal it could be. So um, going to the hospital, and, and we fell apart. i got to be honest with you, we did not. We, we, that was the most discouraging time to hear that because I was immortal until then. And now I knew I was not immortal anymore. And so get, get, uh, get to the hospital. I'm, I'm so appreciative of some godly men who, who helped hold me together during that time. And, uh, so we go through the hospital and here's the deal. I was supposed to preach that weekend. That was being, that was my coming home preaching time. And here I am in the hospital watching the services from FaceTime, uh, Facebook Live, and uh, and that's what I was doing. But that's where I was. And uh, uh, so start into the uh, the treatment, and that you know people wonder what the treatment is. It's just blood thinners, and I'm still on blood thinners, and um, will be for six months. But uh, 
what happened after that was is that the next week is week seven, which I'm supposed to go back to my um, uh, orthopedic surgeon in Temple. And uh, we get in the car to drive to Temple. Pam gets another phone call from her little sister and telling us that her middle sister is uh, is had to go to ER because of complications and uh, abdominal complications. Then she called back and said uh, that her appendix is ruptured. So now we're looking at emergency surgery for her middle sister in Waco. And, of course, Pam is torn, um, having to be with me at my appointment, because uh, uh, I'm not driving or anything then, and uh, to, uh, to the heartbeat to go take care of her sister. And so we left Temple after my appointment, which had gotten blown way late, and we get back home finally. Pam got to go the next day and, and take care of her sister. And um, so we we were just thinking, what what's next? You know, this is not coincidental. This is this is just one thing after another uh, hitting us uh, in this in this time. Um, I'm gonna let you share about um, the scripture and thank you. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So one more thing about the word anchor. Um, I really like to have a scripture when I'm supposed to do something. You know, I'm, Alan and I kind of have the same because anytime he'll say he'll ask me about you know what do you think I'm like do you have a scripture to go with it? And I didn't have a scripture for the word anchor. I mean, up until Thursday night. When Mark had said, "I would like for you to share just a little bit," and I'm like, "I don't have a, I don't have a verse," you know, which kind of bugs me a little bit, but I'm good. But literally that night in our devotion that we're doing, um, the main verse is Hebrews 6:19, which says, "We have this hope as an anchor for the soul, firm and secure." So just bam, right there, the Lord gave me that that scripture to go with my word anchor, and um, it's just been such a constant reminder to me of who my anchor is, that it is Jesus. And that with him, you know, we can walk through anything, mm. anything. Mm. We can walk with him. Um, and then I personally just wanted to say some thank yous because y'all, as a church body, took such good care of us. Um, you know, initially I was like, we don't need meals. And boy, am I so glad some people overrode me and said, yeah, you do, because... Man, I was not thinking clearly for about four weeks, and during that four weeks is when we got all the food, so it was wonderful. Thank you all if you helped me there. Um, phone calls and text, uh, people just calling and just wanting to make sure that we were doing okay, we didn't need anything, and I absolutely knew that if I needed anything, I could call a number of people. Um, the visits, when I finally let people come see come see us, <laughs> um, they were real pick-me-ups. It, it allowed me to get out, and it allowed Mark some man time, which he desperately needed. Um, and then the prayers, we really felt the prayers, and um, I can't imagine what the outcome would have been if we had not had the prayer coverage that we had. So thank you so much. I know for many of you, you said the Lord just brought you to mind, and we would pray, and that's just God taking care of us. So thank you for being obedient and for and for praying for us. Um, and I know those of you who know me prayed really specifically for um, patience, compassion, and mercy because those are not my strong points. And when you're a caregiver, you kind of need those to be your strong points. <laughs> but God has been very gracious. That's why I'm like, that was all Jesus because that, that really – there's not a lot of compassion and mercy and patience in me. The Lord is definitely developing it, but um, I know that was him in taking care of, of you. And then the staff, um, I cannot say enough about our staff and how trustworthy they are. 
you know, that helps so much. Um, just to Mark being able to focus on himself and getting well, which is one of the things the surgeon had told us was he's got to let go of the church for a little while. He's got to focus on himself and getting well. And because of the trust that is there in the staff, he was able to do that. Um, so basically, thank you all for being a family. I'm hurrying. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the last thing is um, thanks for loving and praying for my sisters and my daddy. Um, Daddy came last week for Easter, and he came to our first service because he wanted to see people. And then he went to went to church with my nephew, and then he came back to our church for the third service so that he could see some more people. So he just got loved on last weekend. So if you loved on him, thank you so much. Um, he still needs, you know, it's only been three months since Mom has been gone, and uh, 60 years with somebody, he is still and he's going to be adjusting. We all are going to be adjusting for a long time. But just thank y'all so much for praying for him. Yeah. And I, I, I want to say a couple of thank yous before I just kind of bring this home because people want to know how are you doing now and this kind of stuff. I am so grateful for our elders and our staff. Um, elders stepped up in incredible ways. I, I Left to myself, I will not make the the best wise decision when it comes to me. For you, I will make wise decisions, but for me, sometimes it's pushing myself too much. Uh, after the blood clot and I was supposed to come in and preach, they they came to the house, anointed me with oil, and then spoke directly to me and said, we got to change the on-ramp. And uh, it was all God. And uh, But number two, I'm so grateful for our staff. Um, just Alan and Brett, Bringing forth God's word during the 40 days of prayer was incredible. Uh, Jim Moorhead just uh, handling the the ins and outs and the things of the church. Um, you know, Chris making Facebook Live available to us. It was just up and going uh, initially when we when we went into this. I, I may have expedited it a little bit, but just I'm so grateful for for a staff and elders like we have. Uh, it's it's just. It's just amazing. In fact, we're at a place right now where uh, I'm looking for my on-ramp and where I'm supposed to come back on because the staff blossomed so much in so many leadership areas that the last thing I want to do is step back in and be a blanket to put over those things. So I'm I'm having to, with the elders' help and and everything, to find my on-ramp of of what I need to be doing. And uh, uh, But the question is, you know, how, how are you doing now? You know, if, if you've ever heard me speak very much, I always talk about the uh, physical tanks, the, the spiritual tanks, and the emotional tanks, and how God intertwined all of us together, but, but yet we can see. And if those tanks start to drain, then your wheels are going to fall off somewhere if you don't take care of yourself. Um, and I remember one particular night, uh, physically I was completely in pain and hurting. Uh, uh, spiritually I was dry. You don't feel like having a quiet time when you're in pain, folks. And then uh, thirdly, um, we were we were grieving, so emotionally I was drained. And I was laying there in the other room because I didn't want to bother Pam with, with this, and I just remember going and doing a, an evaluation of my tanks and thinking, the wheels are coming off, man. And uh, and that's what I felt like. But today's a different day. You know, where am I at physically? Every week's better. Uh, the knees are better. My breathing is better. Um, you know, I know it created an alarm when I came back too early and I was not breathing well and my clothes were hanging on me a little bit. And so, uh, you know, I apologize for that. I, I was just trying to sneak in. But uh, but physically, I'm doing doing better. 
Uh, I'm in the gym. I'm working my knees. I'm doing what I need to do there. My breath is good. Um, clots are probably gone. Uh, so that is that is good. So physically, um, we're both doing doing well. Um, spiritually, uh, what's interesting is is when you go through those those moments. Uh, God has made me a lot more compassionate to pour, towards people with chronic pain, chronic diseases, going through uh, treatments such as chemo and radiation, these kind of things. I am a lot more attuned to them than I've ever been before. Um, that that you know when you're going through something like that, prayer and reading the Word is not at the top of your list. There's one prayer you're praying, God, take this away. But other than that, you don't feel like doing it. And so... Um, it, it's taken me a while to get my disciplines back where I feel like they're good, my spiritual disciplines. To uh, I feel like I'm hearing from the Holy Spirit. Uh, last week, I, I look back over last week, and I know three distinct times the Holy Spirit nudged me, and I actually walked in obedience and not turned a deaf ear. And so that's that's uh, good. And so I, I'm, I'm returning to that. Um, you know, physically and spiritually, you know, being able to share God's word is, is my passion anyway. So uh, I love doing that. But the emotional, mental state, the tank there, is the hardest one to replenish. It was the hardest thing. I'll be honest with you. It was the hardest thing to all of a sudden realize I was mortal. I, I, I'm a different person. I really am. Uh, I, I realized all of a sudden that, um, you know, I could be gone and it's really going to be a ripple in the water and gone. And um, and and it's made me think about that from a mental state, from an emotional state. Um, tears are a lot more uh, close to the surface, and uh, I think God has done a work. I'm not the man I was before I went through this. I'm not the I'm not who I'm going to be fully. Uh, I know in God's sanctification process, but but uh, that's where I'm at right now. And I want to I want to share with you, if you'll allow me, just. Some things that God taught me, and I, I won't be long, I promise, on this. But I want to read a scripture to you. It's out of 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 3 through 7. And I'm actually reading from the New Living Translation, not, not to get you to change that to your study Bible. But it's, it's very readable here, and I want to read it to you. 2 Corinthians 1, 3 through 7. Let me, it'll be on the screen. All praise to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. God is our merciful Father and the source of all comfort. He comforts us in all our troubles so that we can comfort others. When they are troubled, we will be able to give them the same comfort God has given us. For the more we suffer for Christ, the more God will shower us with his comfort through Christ. Even when we are weighed down with troubles, it is for your comfort and salvation. For when we ourselves are comforted, we will certainly comfort you. Then you can patiently endure the same things we suffer. We are confident that as you share in our sufferings, you will also share in the comfort God gives. He, he, he mentions a term there that the New Living says, weighed down with troubles. Literally, the, the, that's the word tribulation and trials. It's a picture of a rock, actually, that is majorly heavy, that is squeezing upon you. And, and that's what it feels. Afflictions is another word that you sometimes hear, that you go under. And, uh, and so there were some things that the Lord has shown me. Number one is this, and I want you to hear this, please. Just because you're God's child does not mean you, that you will be exempt from afflictions and tribulations or sufferings. You, you need to hear that. Because so often we think, as a child of God, God will never let me go through that. That is not in Scripture at all. In fact, it says we will suffer. 
And, and, and the suffering may not be physically, it may be relationally, it may be emotionally, it may be financially. I don't know what it may be, but I'm telling you, just because you're a child of God does not mean you're exempt. And I just feel like I need to share that with you today because the, the, the thing to do would be to say, okay, what did we do wrong? You know, what, what did we do wrong that caused all these things to happen in our life? Well, nothing. It just happened. The second thing that I learned was this, that pain numbs you, but it can save your life. Pain comes and sometimes it numbs us so much that we don't want to function but if pain was not there, um, uh, let me put it this way. Pain can be there to save your life. I was talking with Mike Wednesday night about um, these pulmonary embolisms. And you know the, the number one way they discover pulmonary embolisms? Autopsies. Because there's not pain with them. I just thank God he gave me pain to, uh, to be able to work through that. So sometimes we say, oh, I don't want pain. I don't want pain. Sometimes we need pain. God wants to move us on down the court sometimes, and we've got to go through pain. Here's a third one. All circumstances, whether good or bad, provide growth opportunity. Uh, I'm not the man I was. I, I want to, And I don't mean growing up to, to be more uh, mature in a human sense. I mean more like Jesus. I just pray, God, I want to be more like you, and if this is what you need to do, then... I guess I gotta go through it, but I don't like it. But you know, not only have I grown, but our elders have grown, our church body's grown. You, you prayed for us with a fervency and an intensity that, that we know. So we've all grown. Here, here's another thing that I learned, and you, and you gotta hear this one, please. You gotta pray over your family. You gotta pray over your family. Because uh, it's not everything is coincidental. We were asked several times during the course of time after time after time when the phone would ring and we're going through things. I had, I had different friends ask me, Mark, do you think this is spiritual? Do you think it's spiritual warfare that's taking place? And, you know, the, the easy thing is to say, oh, it's just part of a broken world and part of this kind of stuff. And then, then it became, no, this is more. And when that started setting in even more, I, I talked to Ashley and I talked to Josh, our son, and I said, you need to pray over your family because right now, for some reason, our family is getting hit hard. And if you're a husband or a father in this room and you're not praying over your family, shame on you. But you need to be in prayer over your family. Two more. Uh, we were not created to walk this alone. We were not created. Let me tell you, as an introvert, believe it or not, I'm an introvert. My tendency is is that when pain happens, let me disappear. Uh, and I'm glad I have a wife that's not wired like me. She will not let me do that. Yes, we need to do this. The elders need to come and pray for you. Yes, we need to do these things. And it just reminded me that we are never meant to walk alone. I don't care what it is. We're not meant to walk alone. Last one, and I'm going to read this one twice because it, uh, this is the way the Spirit of God gave it to me. Our faith is not measured in good times or the way we act. It is found during affliction and how we react. Let me read that again. 
Our faith is not measured in good times or the way we act. It is, it is found during affliction in how we react. Anybody can act like a Christian. Anybody can act right. But what do we do when the squeezings come? How do we react? That's what tells what's really in there. Did we all, did we respond correctly during those three months? Oh man, I'm telling you, there were times I just wanted to quit. Just like you have. Because I know some of you are going through storms in this very room. And you just want to quit. You want to go to the side of the road and say, God, that's it. I'm tired of this stuff. It could be relationally. It could be physically. It could be emotionally. It could be financially. And you're just saying, that's where I'm at today. I want you to know God is going to be with you through the middle of that circumstance. As this morning as I was praying, the Lord just reminded me of something. And I think it was because of the wind blowing outside. You know, most of us have on our decks or our porches outside or in our trees, we have things that we really don't notice. They're there for decorative purposes, but we notice them when the wind blows and they're wind chimes. We really don't notice them much until the wind blows. I think God has created us wonderfully as masterpiece, but we're wind chimes. Yeah, we look good when everything's fine, but it's when the wind's blowing that we demonstrate him the most. And so if, you, if you're not in a storm right now, praise God. If you just come out of a storm, praise God. If you're in the middle of a storm, can we praise God? I hope and pray. I want to ask Brett and the team to come. What we're going to do over the next couple of minutes, and, and I'm going to ask the prayer team to be available. Pam and I will be down here. We'd love to pray over you. Um, some of you may just be in the middle of a storm, or some of you may see a storm on the horizon or whatever it may be. Uh, we just want to make sure we are praying and we are family uh, the way we need to be. Uh, please understand, us sharing this today has nothing to do with pity. Oh, let's pity Mark and Pam for going through three months of, of that. No, that's not it. We just, we just feel like some of you are walking where we've walked. And you're our family. And so we're processing with you. So would you stand with me and let me pray for us?